Damn, son, where'd you find this? Lipod. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 97. We are quickly approaching 197 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Derek Bard. And I am here with my guy, Sam. You got any a.k.a.s for yourself today? Just going to keep it with a.k.a. Hoops Dialogue. You know, been pumping out that NBA content, so that's what I'm going with. Vibes, vibes. We have another exciting episode for you this week, breaking down week 17 and our recap of week 16. We are going to get right into the business with our players of the week from week 16. Look, offensive player of the week. This one was really hard for me, but I am going with George Kittle, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. He caught all six of his targets for 120 yards and two touchdowns. But I was really torn because I wanted to give it to Deontay Foreman, who is my runner-up from the Panthers, who doesn't get a lot of love, but he has been showing out the last two years when given the opportunity. He had basically eight yards a carry on 21 carries for 165 yards and a touchdown, as well as getting the win over the Lions, who were extremely hot going into that game. Defense, defensive player of the week for me, I'm giving it to Nick Bosa. Seven tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and a two-point conversion stop. Like, they went crazy. No one expected all that much from the commanders in that game, but still, when you do your job, you do it right, you should get some praise. Special teams, for me, goes to Greg Joseph for the Vikings. Game-winning field goal from 61 yards out with no time left on the clock. Was also perfect all game with two, two field goals and three extra points. Those are my players of the week for offense, defense, and special teams. We got Sam, who is going to get us with the news going into week 17. Yep. So for the news... I'm going to highlight a lot of the big hitters as far as injury stuff and who's going to be out. But this is the NFL. People miss time. Injuries get upgraded every day. So keep an eye on the injury report because these things are ever evolving, especially in week 16 and week 17 coming in. A lot of these teams that are either uh, out of the hunt for the playoffs or have their spot locked up are going to be sitting guys or at least resting them for more important divisional games. That could be happening later. So definitely just keep an eye on the injury report as the week goes on. It's only Wednesday. Um, there's a Thursday night game tomorrow. Definitely check if you have if you're playing in a fantasy championship or a fantasy playoffs. Keep an eye on the injury report for Thursday and for Sunday and just make sure you're not playing guys that we know are going to be out. So first is a really big hitter for this week, and I think it's one that's going to affect a lot of people in their fantasy championship is that Derrick Henry is expected to miss tomorrow's game with a hip injury. Um, The Cowboys is who they're playing and the Cowboys are also expected to miss Tony Pollard or potentially miss Tony Pollard and Micah Parsons. Both of them are questionable for that game. So definitely a Thursday game uh, that could have a lot of fantasy implications to keep an eye on, especially with Derrick Henry and Tony Pollard. And it looks like at this point, Derrick Henry has been completely ruled out for that game uh, as they have a game against Jacksonville week 17 that has a lot of division implications for the playoffs. So it seems like they are resting or sitting a lot of their guys that are dealing 
with injury concern there. Tua is out with another concussion. He's going to miss this week versus the Patriots. That's really scary because this is third concussion of the season. So definitely uh, hope he is recovering well. Um, and the Dolphins should continue to be cautious with him going forward. He probably should not uh, play the rest of the season. But I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, as the episode goes on for the Raiders, they've announced that they're benching Derek Carr for the remaining two games of the season. So Jarrett Stidham is going to start those games. If your league is super light as far as quarterback goes, Jarrett Stidham might be someone to to look at potentially playing, or at least if you have Derek Carr stashing him uh, on your bench. Zach Wilson got benched again for the Jets. Mike White has been named the starter. He was out with injury. And they've named Joe Flacco the backup, meaning Zach Wilson will not be active, it looks like, to end the season for the Jets. Pretty crazy, given that he was the second round, uh, it's the second overall pick uh, just a year ago. And to see his fall from grace and the team's overall elevation kind of happen at the same time has just been very interesting. The Commanders bench Taylor Heineke and announced that Carson Wentz is also going to start in this game. Um so, again, if your fantasy league is light as far as quarterback goes, Carson Wentz is someone that could be available. J.J. Watt announced that he's retiring following the conclusion of the season. So hats off to him for a great career, both on the football field and off the football field as far as his philanthropy goes. Um, he's definitely cemented his status as one of the, the best D linemen of this generation or of this uh generation of NFL D linemen. So hats off to him and hope he uh, has a good retirement. And the Chargers clinched their first playoff berth since 2018 with their Monday night win over the Colts. It's a team we were excited about coming into the season. It started off a little bit slow, um, but it's surging lately. The Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett, uh, their head coach. All I have to say is about time. Uh, but also, there's also blame to go around. Probably won't really fix a lot of the problems they have. So They waited um, so long. Yeah, they waited too long. At that point, it's almost like, why didn't you just let him finish out the year? But I, I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe it's just all the sideline fights just were a super bad look. And they just had to make the move. But, like, you waited until week 17 to do it. There's 18 weeks in the season. You should just let him finish it out at this point. Like, let him die with the ship. Yeah. Did you what did you think about the this latest uh O line scuffle on the on the sideline where the backup quarterback confronted them and they pushed him? I wish I knew what they were saying because I believe a person like uh, it's like Brett Ripien, who's a kind of a career backup at that point, the way that you become a career backup in the league and cash those checks is like being a good guy in the locker room and that's not just for like the people that are playing well but it's like specifically for your quarterback who like when they're struggling you're supposed to kind of be there hype them up help them out etc and he might have been if i could fake give you the like audio for that he was defending russ and they were like get your bitch ass out of here <laughs> yeah i mean russ had been sacked six times and they did they didn't pick him up on one of them, and it seemed like he was going up to them and saying, "You know, pick the guy up. He's the re you're the reason he's on the ground." Kind of, and it kind of seemed like the O line was not wanting to hear any of that. But to me, that's a perfectly 
reasonable criticism and reasonable thing to go say to the O-line. Like if your quarterback's been sacked six times, it could be on him not being decisive and keeping the ball too long a little bit, but it's also on you, like him having that much pressure. So to me, it seemed like Brett Ripien, Ripien was in the right, um, just from the, you know, limited audio and limited video we saw, but just a weird year in Denver. Hopefully next year they can get, or over the off season, they can get some sort of reset going, but it's been fun to watch kind of, but also a shit show. Yeah. Really sad. Absolutely sad to see Russell Wilson going out like that after like being kind of anointed as that type of guy for a significant period and, of time. Yep. Yeah, and this team's savior, which it, it's looking like they're, Maybe not in as close to uh, contention as they thought they were. Um, and then lastly, the this is not very significant, but it is fun. The Panthers signed Josh Norman to their practice squad. Um, probably won't have huge implications, but I think it's cool. Uh, for any time a reunion for a player that was so great with a franchise going back there. So maybe at some point, even week 17, maybe he gets upgraded to the active squad and can actually get some – reps with the Panthers, but like you said, they've been pretty hot and are competing uh, for a potential division win. So to bring in Josh Norman last minute, pro- you probably won't get much PT, but I still think it's a pretty fun reunion to happen. Um, so yeah, that's it for the news. All right, facts, facts, facts. We are going to get into the RPO and talk about some of the hottest storylines going on in the week and whether or not we are going to run with them or pass on them. So I'm going to start you off with this one, Sam. The commanders are going with Carson Wentz for the rest of the season and try to clinch their playoff berth just because he came in against the 49ers and gave their offense some life. Based off what you've seen from both Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz this season, is this a huge mistake for the commanders? Runner pass. This is a really hard one, honestly, but I think I'm going to pass. And the reason I say that is what we see in the games, obviously Taylor Heineke has been better. We've talked about this a bunch on this pod or a couple times throughout the year on the pod, just about how he breathed life into that team when they looked so terrible. But I think the reason I'm passing on is that we don't see a lot of the the behind-the-scenes things that the coaches see every day that can lead them to this decision. So it might just be the case that for the last month since Carson Wentz has been healthy, he's looked better than Taylor Heineke in practice. And they just wanted to give Taylor the benefit of the doubt uh, to like go out there and do it in the game. Cause even though it hasn't looked pretty uh, all year, he's been getting the job done. He's been getting wins. So I think that they were correct to not quickly make a switch back to Carson Wentz, but if it's just the case that Carson has looked better in practice for a given period of time and that that bringing him in against the 49ers kind of confirmed that for them, then I think it's not a huge mistake. And you want to play with whoever you think is going to give you the best chance to win in a given week, not just based off past week's performance. I would think I would be skeptical to make a switch this late into the season. It kind of seems... Like you picked your guy, you should ride it out. But if one of them just looks exponentially better than the other behind the scenes day to day, that's something that they know that we don't really know. 
So I think I'm going to give Ron Rivera and that that staff the benefit of the doubt as far as being there and seeing it every day um, and just having a feel for who's playing at a higher level. Word. Okay, that's fair. I I think it's a mistake just because that team did not really respond as well to Carson Wentz as they did to Taylor Heineke earlier in the season. But maybe things will change. What do you got for me? So for this one, the Raiders have benched Derek Carr for the last two games of the season. And he has announced, or they have announced, that he will not be with the team during those games. So he won't be there on the sideline. They're starting Jarrett Stidham, who was a really big college prospect and has been a backup so far in the NFL. But does this spell the end of Derek Carr's tenure with the Las Vegas Raiders? Runner pass. I'm going to run with it. And I know that sounds a little bit like hyper hyperbolic, but the chatter around getting off Derek Carr has just been so heavy. And for multiple years now, even when he's playing well, and I assume they're going to give Josh McDaniels a decent amount of runway after already like going through coach after coach after coach that, Josh is going to want to bring in one of his guys. And Jimmy G is also a free agent. And they have an out in Derek Carr's contract where they don't have to pay him any more money if they just cut him loose. So they could they could really just cut him loose, not have to deal with it, get Jimmy G for probably a very reasonable deal given his injury history. And, like, it's probably incentivating. And Josh McDaniels has a lot of – Rapport and experience with Jimmy G from when he first started in the league at the Patriots. I can see it happening. I think Derek Carr is probably better than people give him credit for. And maybe being in a less dysfunctional situation might be the best thing for him as well. But I can easily see this being one where they just kind of part ways. Yeah, I see that as far as just like the narrative, especially with Josh McDaniels, Patriots history. I definitely see that. But bring Derek Carr over to New Orleans. We'll welcome him with open arms. Okay. Okay. I hear you. All right. So this next one. The Titans are sitting their starters for this week. We talked about that a little bit earlier in preparation for their divisional matchup with the Jags that will probably decide who wins the division. If memory serves me right, last year Titans get that bye. They come across a pretty hot Cincinnati team that's been playing football and even though the defense played kind of lights out, sacking Joe Burrow a million times, they ended up kind of choking that game away. Ryan Tannehill throws a last-minute pick. They can't clear. They get knocked out of the playoffs. Given that history that the Titans have with taking that week off, do you think this will come back to bite them, run or pass? I'm going to pass on it. I think, one, that is something that you learn from. So the core group of guys that are were there last year, I think will remember – the feeling of, you know, maybe becoming too complacent with the buy. But the second thing is you really want Derrick Henry at as close to 100% as possible. So I can't speak – I'm not speaking as much to the sitting of everyone as much as I'm really speaking to the sitting of him. But I think it makes a lot of sense to sit Derrick Henry this week and save him for a game that you absolutely need to win to have – uh, to have in the division 
So I think you want Derrick Henry 100%. And if the way, and if you don't feel like you're going to beat the Cowboys anyway, why get him banged up uh, when you really need him as close to 100% as he can be for that divisional game? So I, it is kind of cowardly because it, at some level, I'm like, you should just go for it. But I do think it is pragmatic in a sense to save your guys for when they're most needed. And I do think that to some degree, load management or whatever you want to call it can be helpful. We've seen it work with like a bunch of athletes in the past. The, the one that really comes to mind is Kawhi uh, in the NBA and the, how much the Raptors sat him and ultimately paid off uh, with an NBA finals run. So I just, I see the value in load management. I see the value in load management with Derrick Henry specifically, especially in a game where I feel like they're not going to win. Vibes, vibes. This last one I got for you, the Panthers are one game behind the Bucks for first place in the division in the NFC South. Uh, they play each other this week. Do you think that the Red Hot Panthers can catch Tampa and steal the NFC South runner pass? I kind of like that. Like, I know you shouldn't discount Tom Brady and all that jazz, but it's the Bucks have been okay, but the Panthers have been surprisingly good. They've won four of their last six games. Their run game has really come along a lot. Their pass rush is just good and young, and that's the type of thing that gives Tom Brady the most trouble. And I feel like on top of them having another offensive lineman, I think their tackle got hurt is out for the season. They just have a makeshift line going on right here. And I'm going to doubt Tom Brady. I'm going to run with it. I just think that I'm going to run with it. I just think that the Panthers, if they, the Panthers, I feel like this game will decide the division because if the Panthers win this game, they're one, one apiece. They will have the same exact record and will be going into week 18 and the Panthers get the Falcons starting Desmond Ritter in that week 18 matchup. So I actually have this game as one of the five flies. So do you want to just go straight into that and we can start with this game? Let's do it. Okay, so I agree with a lot of what you just said. Let me just throw in one thing that makes me a little bit hesitant is that the Panthers, while hot lately, have been bad on the road all year, even after the Matt Rule firing. So – they are one and five on the road and three and three against the spread. The spread in this game is that the Bucks are favored by three at home. So you take the Panthers money line or slash Panthers spread, whatever. But in this case, it seems like you would take the Panthers money line because you would get better odds, more profitable. Um, does the their struggles on the road? give you any hesitancy or how do you feel about that? Do you think that it just doesn't matter that much? Cause it's not like, let me just cap off that thought. It's not like the bucks have been great at home. They're the worst team against the spread in the NFL. They are three 11 and one against the spread. So like while the Panthers have been horrible on the road, the bucks have just been horrible against the spread in general. So it's kind of like, do these things cancel out, or what do you think? Yo, honestly, I, it doesn't change my mind at all. I really like the Panthers in this game this week. I just 
Here's the thing. The Bucks haven't really looked good. Even in the games they're winning, they don't look good. It's like they kept it close, and Tom Brady pulls off a miracle drive at the end, and we're like, well, gee, golly, Willikers, Brady has done it again. Like, yeah, I get that it. Like, game against the Saints was so stupid. Like, I, <laughs> like, I get it, right? Like, if he's Tom Brady, like, two-minute drive, win the game, he can probably do it. But as a whole, this team has not put together a great four quarters of football really any time in the second half of the season are, like, really likely. Like, they're pulling through some ugly wins. And I've seen the – Panthers from start to finish run run the ball well and hold time of possession and beat teams that we thought were explosive like the Seahawks like I just have more faith in the game in the gameplay that I've seen from Carolina so far as of late that makes sense I think I'm taking the Bucks in this game I think man I agree with everything you said but at the end of the day this is a win and get into the playoff situation. It's Tom Brady, and no matter how ass they've been, I just feel like he always figures out a way to get these things done. Even though this is on a much smaller scale and a much more sad scale, like getting in the playoffs at like <laughs> like eight and nine or whatever their final record is going to be, seven and ten, whatever. It's still like a win or go home type of vibe and. Man, Brady is just proving us wrong over and over again as far as those situations go. So I, even though they're the worst team against the spread, I think I, if I were betting on this game, I would still bet Bucks minus three. But it's just an interesting game to think about given the Carolina struggles on the road, but how hot they've been lately and just coincidentally been at home um, versus like the Bucks struggles all year. The second game I have is 49ers at Raiders. So we talked a little bit about this game in that we have mentioned that Derek Carr is not playing. Jared Stidham is starting. The 49ers are 10-point favorites on the road. The, um, 10 is a huge line, but what do you think about this game? San Francisco is 10-5 and five against the spread this year, which is the third best in all the NFL and the Raiders are seven and eight against the spread uh, with Derek Carls. So I don't know how I'll much take it. Think. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, sh- I, I never want to bet spreads this large. My personal advice is just stay away from a game with a 10 point spread because that's just messed up. But here's here's how this is going to go. Jared Stidham is going to look ridiculously better than we expected. And the Derek Carr rumors are going to turn into solid fact. And like they'll go off and make this game close, or they're going to lose by 10 plus points because Derek Jarrett Stidham isn't that type of guy. But even if he was, those type of guys have had a lot of trouble with the San Francisco defense. Like they can't really, they're going to have to rely on Josh Jacobs, but like San Francisco has the best run defense in the NFL, has the best overall defense in the NFL, and you're starting a backup quarterback and have offenses just not really gelled and been in full like gear a lot this year. I just nah. I, I if I have to pick, I'm taking the spread. I'm taking the ten points because I just expect I'm San Francisco to slaughter them. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think the 49ers are too good and like 
Man, even if Derek Carr was playing in this game, like I think the spread would be seven. Like I don't think it. I don't think it moves much anyway. Because the field goes a lot. It is. It is. But but still, I like even if Derek Carr is playing and it's and it's minus ten. I wouldn't bet on it, but if I had to, I think I would still think the 49ers would win by 10. That's just how good they've been this year. And even with Brock Purdy, they really haven't taken a step back at all from where they were with Jimmy G. So it's just crazy. Um, The next game I got is the Dolphins at the Patriots. The Patriots are minus three. Like I said, Tua is not playing in this game. Teddy Bridgewater starting for Miami. The Pats are at home. Those are the only two reasons that they're favored in this game, in my opinion. Teddy lost his two starts this season. Those were against the Bengals and the Vikings. And man, and one of those he got concussed, didn't he, or like injured, and they had to start another guy. Yeah, it was uh, the Vikings game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he came in in like early in the Bengals game, and then in his start against the Vikings, he got concussed. Mm-hmm. So I think that the fact that Teddy didn't win either of the games he played in this year is another reason why the Dolphins wouldn't be favored. But, man, to me, the Patriots are not the Vikings or the Bengals. T.O. isn't here, so this is a safe space. Um, but I, I, to me, man, I'm taking the Dolphins, bro. Three-point underdogs at Foxborough. I, I just, like – even though it is not Tua and it is Teddy, to me, Teddy has been so much better. And Mac Jones has been this year. I think I'm taking Teddy over over Mac Jones, bro. What do you think? I don't blame you. I like. I actually kind of like Miami in this game. I I agree with you that like if it's Teddy Bridgewater and Teddy Bridgewater plays the game from start to finish, I feel like they have a much better chance. And just like Teddy hasn't gotten a lot of those opportunities so far this year. But, like, when they played, uh, I think they played opening week, like, yeah, Tua got to start, but the Dolphins' defense held the Patriots to seven points. Seven points. So it's not like, it's not like, and that's before Bradley Chubb. So it's not like the Patriots have been world beaters at all this year. Three-point underdog. I like the Finns as well. And it's just like as long as Teddy Bridgewater can stay upright and finish out the game, yeah, I can, I take that. It's Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Just throw them a couple screens; they'll do the rest. My God, Dude, I mean, like, look. I, so yeah, I think we're we're in agreement there. Dolphins plus three. I just like that line. I like them as underdogs. I I think Teddy at his best can be enough to fill in for what Tua was doing. Um, the next game I want to ask you about, I really want to hear your thoughts on this mainly, is Bears at Lions. Lions are 5.5 point favorites at home, 5.5 point favorites at home. The Bears said they are not shutting down Justin Fields for the year. They want to see what they have. Um, so I just want to hear your thoughts on like what we need to know from this about this game from your perspective. We Yeah, of course we're not going to shut down Justin Fields. Why would we do something like that? He needs reps. He needs repetition, playing the game, getting better at the game. Here's what I'll tell you. Five-and-a-half-point favorites, I would take the Bears there to cover. I would not take the Bears' money line. We are in the business of losing games. And when games seem to be kind of close, uh, I'll 
play calling gets kind of conservative and highly questionable. And based off what I've seen from Luke Getze since that Thursday night game against the Commanders, he's learned some of those mistakes already. And I feel like we are trying to be competitive, play close games, look good in those games, but not necessarily win those games. Because uh, right now we're at the catbird seat, got the second pick, and we could have the first pick in the draft. We are trying to beat the Vi- we we are we are trying to beat the Lions. I, I feel like we'll cover the spread because like we only lost by five to the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, right? Like, granted, the Bills put something crazy on us, right? But like, we played teams like the like the Eagles really close, and our defense has played a little bit better here. I would say plus 5.5, you can take the Bears, but I don't think we'll win the game. I like that. It seems like the Bears and the Lions both play a lot of close games, and especially um, like right before Justin Fields got hurt a few weeks ago, y'all were playing in some really close games against some really uh, high-level opponents and scoring a ton of points. So I definitely think uh, that covering the spread is not out of the question, but – I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to say Lions minus six. Um, the last game I want to talk about is yeah, well, the hold one on, hold I on. Posted. You know the last time we played them, it was a one-point game, right? Oh, well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, the last time we played then, them, and it was mid-November, it was a one-point game. The Lions won by a single point. I like that. I mean, I agree. It is entirely, entirely plausible that this is a one-point game. Y'all could even win. Um like you said, y'all aren't trying to, but you play uh, a brand of football where you score. It, this game, I feel like, is going to be a shootout. Both teams have pretty high-powered offenses when they're at their peak, but the defenses can be a little here and there, hit or miss. Uh, both defenses have looked better in recent weeks. Lines have been very hot. Um, and I just think the Lions are try- like making their push – towards a potential playoff berth. So I just feel like they will come in trying to take care of business, but can easily see it uh, being a super close game. The last game I want to talk to you about, since we're not doing a game of the week, we can just label this our like game of the week of the five fly. Um, and I think this is one that a lot of people are going to be talking about, talking about the Monday night football game, Bengals at Bills. The Bills are one-and-a-half-point favorites at home on Monday Night Football. Um, the Bengals are 11-4 and four on the season uh, overall. They're 12-3 and three against the spread. They have the best record in the NFL against the spread. The Bills are a juggernaut both on offense and defense. They look like they're really starting to come alive. They were a lot of people's favorite to win the Super Bowl coming in. This is a huge marquee matchup between two of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. What do you think about the outcome of this game? Just do you have expectations that this is going to be a game where there are a lot of points scored, or do you think this is like a defensive battle? Especially, it's going to be cold. So I think, like, by far – going to be a great game it'll be pretty high powered like here's what i'll say if the bills are one and a half point favorites vegas thinks they're going to lose the game because generally home field advantage gets you three points 
right? So if they think you're in a relatively even matchup and you're at home, you get the three points, right? And that's kind of what we saw for, I think it was um, the Bucks and the Panthers, right? So, like, one and a half points makes me think that they think you're going to lose. And based off the way the Bengals have been playing football, I think the Bengals should win this matchup. So I would take the Bengals uh, minus one, well, plus one and a half. And I just, look, the Bengals have been very solid operationally wise on the offense and defensive. And they've really surged this back half of the season. I'm pretty sure like they've won like eight of their last nine games or seven of their last nine games or something like that. Something ridiculous. And the thing that we have seen is that the Bills still have a, Josh Allen blessing and problem. And it's just that like Josh Allen has to be your best running back most of the time when you win and your team has to be very centered around him playing great. But he also has a problem throwing picks like and not even like oddly forced picks. Like that's the thing. It's like some like a lot of the picks he throws, he's not even under pressure. Like Josh Allen seems to be a significantly more accurate quarterback under pressure and having to move around. Like, then, like, most of the picks I see him throw, especially in the red zone, his feet are set. And he is and he is just, I don't know. I can't tell you what he's thinking when it happens. But that's something that I think the Bengals offense, will, the Bengals defense will be able to take a lot of advantage of. The cold doesn't really bother me. Both these teams play at a place where it gets pretty cold, can handle the cold, can handle the snow. And if it has to become a ground game situation, I like the Bengals much better with Samaje Pirine and um, home lead running back there. His name Joe, Joe Mixon. Mixon. Yeah, thank you. Name on yeah. top of my tongue. So, like, yeah, I like the Bengals. I just say the Bengals are the better team right now. I am with you, man. And especially in this type of game, playoff feel, Monday night, week 16 versus another elite quarterback, I just feel like Joe Burrow – thrives in these situations people that listen to the pod know how high i am on him how high we are on him to me he's the best quarterback in the nfl not named pat mahomes and all respect to jalen hurts he's the mvp this year but to me overall joe burrow is the best quarterback in the nfl not named pat mahomes and i feel like he just thrives in these type of situations and i 100 percent agree with you about vegas thinking uh, that the Bills are going to lose, and that's why the spread is the way it is. The, the Bengals are the best team against the spread in the NFL. They're probably the hottest team in the league overall. And, nine of their last ten. Uh, yeah, nine of their just, la- they've won nine of their last ten games. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're we're in agreement there. I just think this looks like a really good game for Cincy. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Bills win. That's why the the line is as close as it is because both these teams are really good. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to pick, if I had to bet, um, yeah, I think I'm just going with Joe and the Bengals in, in this type of situation. Um, that is it for the five flop. Facts, facts. We can get right into our fantasy boom bust segments. We are going to trust talk about the guys that you can trust. And the guys that you probably shouldn't, if we're just being perfectly honest about things. Trust. So I'm going to start with my boom guys. The first boom guy, someone that you're going to start no matter what. But I'm telling you, CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys skill position players are an absolute start. The 
the the Tigers are sitting like a vast majority of their defensive starters that, that whose names you know to be fair. So that's just like off the top a guy guys like CD Lamb, guys like Gallup, guys like Pollard, guys like Zeke should be solid starts for you especially in a game where this could really get out of control real fast for them. The scary guy, but I'm telling you to take him right now, is Jerry Judy. I know it's odd to hear any Broncos player, right, to start, but they're playing KC this matchup. Last time they played KC, Judy had 33 points. He's going on four straight weeks with double-digit points in PPR formats. And money of those weeks, he got 20, 30-plus points, etc. I actually really like that. Of course, if you're dealing with any quarterback problems if you have not grabbed Gardner Minshew off of waivers already you absolutely should he is a guy that I expect to have another good game if Jalen Hurst doesn't start I expect a big bounce back for D Hop after having two points in PPR formats and not getting the ball a lot that's unacceptable their offense will force feed D Hop after a game like that so those are the three people who well four people who I'm like high on Guys that you should really look out for this week going into your fantasy championships. And we will talk about bus guys. Zay Jones is my number one guy to be wary of because he's probably already cost you a fantasy championship. I was in two playoff games this week. I lost one. I won the other. The one that I sat Zay Jones in, I won. The one that I didn't, I lost. And that's my fault because I knew better when I sat him in the first league. You should do the same. He's a popular streamer as of late, has blown up, and probably has gotten you to this point in the season, but he is very boom-bust. He's not a high-floor type of guy. Houston has a deceptively good pass defense this year, and this is kind of a gut feeling. This is not someone that I would want to put my fantasy championships hopes on top of right now. And there are probably streamers, if you're not in a super deep 14-man type league, that might even have better games than him. And the number two for me is Josh Jacobs. He's playing with the backup, Jared Stidham, against the league's best rushing defense and overall defense. A lot will be on his shoulders to try to carry this team. And I think the Niners will try to stop the run and make Jared Stidham beat them. I guess that's secondary that they have which, spoiler alert, it's really good. So I see him being in a bad spot. I can see him running into a negative game script very easily in which the Raiders fall down a bunch early and then really have to pass the ball to try to get back in the game, which I think is just going to be even worse for them because then people like Nick Bosa, Greenlaw, et cetera, get to pin their ears back and just tee off. So I can see this being a really, really, really bad week for the Raiders. And that's a player like Josh Jacobs, who's probably gotten you to where you've gotten, been one of the best running backs in fantasy football all year long. You can see him having a very tough and poor performance this week. Those are my busts and my boom players for this week in fantasy football. Good luck to everybody in the fantasy championship game just like me this year. And hopefully you clutch it. I would just like to, before we move on, I know this is a forward-looking segment, but I would be remiss to not say, what the fuck, Stefan Diggs? Because (laughs) my fantasy semis... Mm, man. Uh, all right. That's all I'm going to say. And also, Josh Allen, you're implicated as well. 
Uh, <laughs> I would put Diggs in that D hop bucket if if I'm talking about it in all serious fashion. Like you just can't risk sitting Stephon Diggs. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. really just can't risk it. Like Josh Jacobs, some people might feel that way as well, and I would not blame you for feeling that way. But I would not be shocked if one or two Jets uh, running backs this week have a better week than Josh Jacobs does. Either Carter or Blake. I don't think that's crazy at all. Wouldn't be shocked if they outperformed Josh Jacobs this week. Just bad, bad game script for Josh Jacobs this week. So, But I would put Diggs in that D-hop bucket of which after a game like that, the offensive coordinator, your quarterback are – looking to get you big involved into this upcoming game because yeah. that's not an acceptable like game for someone that's Stephon Diggs caliber and talent. Yeah. All right. That leaves Sam with the bouquet as our final segment for the night. Cool. So our last segment is the ballers bouquet. This is a segment we do uh, to combat the sort of over-focus on salacious and clickbait-style stories. We think that too often in the media, people just focus on the negative things that athletes do or go through. And here on the fly route, we like to make a change and highlight some of the good, positive, and philanthropic things that athletes are doing in their communities every day that may go overlooked for more, uh, like we said, clickbait-style stories. So, This week's Ballers Bouquet goes to the San Francisco 49ers, who in the spirit of the holidays hosted their annual giveaway event at Levi Stadium, where they gave food and gifts to hundreds of people. About 30 of the team's players were there, along with coaches and staff to hand out the items to each family. Hundreds of cars lined up outside of Levi Stadium to take part in the Hope for the Holidays annual drive-thru. Um, and Second Harvest of Silicon Valley also donated food to the event for the third year in a row. 49ers players filled each car with food, team paraphernalia, um, and items from Zinni Glasses, Kingsford Shoe Palace, and Toys for Tots. And 175 families were chosen from seven local nonprofits that served the Bay Area, including 49ers Academy, the African American Community Service Agency, and the Bill Wilson Center. So it's really important that especially in times like these in the holidays that people and athletes specifically are using their platform and using their status to uh, better their communities and to, to get into the spirit of giving, like I said, especially around the holidays. So hats off to the 49ers. More teams should host events like these and reach out to their communities. I'm sure a lot of the 30 teams or all of the 30 teams have a variation of this, but the scale at which the 49ers are doing it and the positive reviews that they continue to get every year for it is something that definitely needs to be highlighted. So hats off to them. All right, all right. This is a little quick episode this time. We missed some of the guys chilling with their families, hanging out for the holidays, but hopefully we'll get the whole crew back again. For episode 98 next week, we are quickly approaching 100. Shout out to everybody that's listening, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. We appreciate each and every single one of y'all, and we cannot wait to bring y'all 
another week of the Fly Route Podcast. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod.